0: to find
1: simple ways to boost your true wealth. Hello, Crystal Arnold here, founder of Money Morphosis and your hostess for the Money Wise Women Show. So let's get real. It can be really difficult to have money conversations, right? It's right up there with a taboo subject like sex and death. And and people just don't like to talk about money. And yet it is one of the most crucial things that uh, we all have in common. We all need to interact and and exchange it. And and it's it's a very important skill to have. And I believe it should actually be taught in uh, early in our public school education. And uh, it's funny because I went through a whole undergrad degree in international economics, and so much of it was theory and numbers and and there was nothing about how to actually communicate about money and the kind of interpersonal um, emotional intelligence that's needed to really be effective in our communications and I'm sure all the listeners can think to a time when you had an awkward um, money conversation. It may have been stressful for you leading up to it. You know, things like asking for a raise, talking to your partner about the overdrawn uh, shared bank account, uh, talking to aging parents about their financial situation, um, a, a parent talking to their teenager about, you know, greater financial independence. There's just So many conversations that we need to have with the people we love most about money. And so um, our guest today, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I both share this passion for uh, educating people on how to have better money conversations and uh, I can tell you it's such a relief when you're able to express yourself uh, more clearly around your finances, your own self-worth and value, especially people who are entrepreneurs and women. It is so crucial to to be able to have these skills and, and be able to um, really talk effectively and negotiate for for what you need. Um, so uh, let me tell you a little bit more about Kathleen. She is a wealth psychology expert, founder of KBK Wealth Connection, host of the Breaking Money Silence podcast, and an internationally published author and speaker. And her book is called Breaking Money Silence, How to Shatter Money Taboos, Talk Openly About Finances and Live a Richer Life and so she is as i said a renowned consultant especially around the topic of women and wealth and couples and money and uh her mission is really to empower uh these people and the financial advisors who serve them to shatter the money taboos and to communicate more effectively around uh, financial matters uh and i'm i'm really honored to have her here her work has been Featured in in a lot of publications such as Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Today, Money, Forbes, uh, Woman Magazine, and uh, so let me tell you just a little bit about her background and then we'll let her uh, fill it the story in a little bit more. Uh, She got her undergrad degree in finance from Providence College and then started a career in retail banking uh, before becoming a commissioned bank examiner with the FDIC and then she had this desire to coach executive management on improving their performance, so she went back to school and got a master's degree in psychology, became a certified professional co-active coach, and then founded her consulting firm, KBK Wealth Connection. Uh, so what a what a fascinating journey with money uh, you've had, Kathleen. I'd love to begin by hearing from you what excites you most about the work that you do.
2: Well, first of all, thank you, Crystal, for having me on the show. It's really exciting to hear more about your work and be able to have this conversation with you. And I think what I'm most excited about these days has to do with um, really helping uh, a lot of different individuals break money silence, but near and dear to my heart is the idea of helping women, especially female entrepreneurs, who I think suffer from the most money silence in some ways and need to really learn how to communicate and advocate for themselves more. I really love helping that particular uh, group of individuals, or certainly, you know, bankers and advisors who work with female breadwinners and female entrepreneurs. So um, I hate to say what my next book is going to be already, but I'm leaning that direction, so it's going to be fun to talk with you tonight.
1: Mm, Excellent. So tell me a little bit more about your personal money story and what brought you into this field.
2: Oh, like many people in this field, my money story is not linear by any stretch, so I will give you the highlights. Um, You did a nice job kind of highlighting what my educational background is. Um, But in terms of, you know, my relationship with money and how it's evolved and how I eventually decided to dedicate my professional career to, you know, talking more about money and helping people have these important financial communications, it really happened in a a, a slow process over time. And so, you know, I worked in banking and finance for a number of years and was very, very good at the, uh, what I call the technical side of finance. So, you know, I could balance a bank's uh, balance sheet. I could certainly take care of my own personal finances, knew a little bit about investing, And so when I went into um, my marriage and I went into my relationship with my husband and opened my own business, I used to be a therapist for a period of time, Uh, I really thought, oh, I know this money thing. I've got it down. And uh, what ended up happening is over the course of about 10 to 15 years into my marriage, what I discovered was, yeah, you have the technical side of finance down, but you're not very good at talking about money or sharing the responsibility or communicating um, with your husband or your parents or um, your nieces and nephews about the topic. And like a lot of people, I think, who end up in the money psychology world at this point, I had what I would consider a financial crisis in my life. And financial crisis in that it was a moment of, wow, you can know all the technical aspects of finance, but if you can't communicate around it and you can't advocate for yourself, then it's going to be hard to take care of yourself financially over time. And what triggered that crisis was my husband and I put a dish onto our house. Um, The contractor that we hired, my gut told me don't hire this guy, but I still – uh, with along with my husband hired him, and uh, he ended up stealing a very large amount of money from us and abandoning um, the project. And so, so, through that, what I would consider a financial crisis and crisis in my marriage, I discovered this whole field of money psychology and how fascinating it was, and how you know our relationship with money is about a lot more than uh, mathematics.
1: Mm. Oh, so true. It's amazing that perspective in in hindsight when these painful you know traumatic uh experiences happen and then um kind of fuel our career professional development and uh What a gift they are looking back on. on Absolutely.
2: I often say that Steve, the contractor who, you know, ripped us off, we never saw him again. That's, you know, he just abandoned the property and left with all our money Um, basically gave me the greatest gift, which was the ability to talk about money and to uh, jointly work on our finances together, in my marriage. And then like, I think a lot of people, I took this negative experience and said, "Hey, I have a financial background and I am um, transitioning from being a mental health counselor to a, a coach, and maybe I can help other women." And actually, when I started in the business, I actually was very targeted at helping female entrepreneurs and business women uh, ask for what they're worth. And so have the money conversation that's often, you know, very tricky at work or with your clients if you're
1: self-employed. Mm. So let's talk about that. Like, um, you know, what what are some of the common challenges that you've seen, especially with women and entrepreneurs that come up around expressing their worth and talking about money?
2: Well, you know, it's complicated to be a woman in our society and to be profit-motivated or to want to make more money. There's actually research out there that says, that women who are um, career-focused or who present themselves as profit-motivated are viewed in more negative terms than a man who might want the same thing. And so there's this societal discrimination or taboo against women who really want to uh, build a business and ask for what they're worth. And so I think that that taboo against money, which is kind of the topic of my book, Breaking Money Silence, is is certainly in the backdrop. And then you you complicate it with all these myths we have about women and money. You know, the idea that we're not supposed to be interested in finance, that we're not supposed to be profit motivated, that, you know, we're just going to help out somebody else, not because... You know we want to charge a fee, but because you know we're we're good, we're good to our fellow um you, you know people around us, and that that's a nurturing thing to do and, and so I think a lot of women, not all women, but a lot of women have a very complicated relationship with money and then a very complicated relationship with success and so in order to be a successful. Entrepreneur or businesswoman, uh, you have to be able to push through and start to understand what are my particular roadblocks around asking for what I'm worth, and how do I um, push through and start to let people know that you know there I have value in this world. And often, the way in the business world we realize value is by paying somebody. So um, just very quickly, in my own life, I had a a big struggle when I started um, working as a coach, which then kind of morphed into my current career as a keynote speaker and consultant. And really what I was struggling around was the fact that instead of charging people for my time, uh, I found out that I was spending half of my time volunteering for a lot of these causes, a lot of these networking groups that are wonderful, but I was volunteering half of my time away and only charging for half of my time. So if you become a professional volunteer, it's going to be very hard to build a profitable, sustainable business. Now, just so you don't get any calls or emails, I believe in volunteering. (laughs) I think you need to strategically volunteer. And so for me, I had to pull back and say, what is it? Why am I giving away all my knowledge and all my intellectual property and all my time instead of asking for, you know, a marketable wage for it. And what I discovered in my own process and looking at my own relationship with money is that there was um, a mixed message in my family growing up. You were supposed to take care of money. You were supposed to attend to it, but you certainly were not um, supposed to be too financially successful and you weren't supposed to kind of do better than the people around you. And so those family messages I had to unpack in order to be able to move forward um, and, you know, ask for what I was worth. And, and it's, I won't say it's a struggle today. I mean, it's not a struggle in terms of I know what I'm worth. I have my fees have gone up over time and I feel very comfortable where, with my price point. I think the continued struggle for me, and I, I do feel this is different for women than men is that more often than not, I'm asked to give my services away or to reduce my fee. Um, And time and time again, I hear about, you know, this gentleman who's going to be keynoting is being paid $20,000, and, you know, they can't find any money for me. And so, um, you know, it's it's saying no and standing up for yourself and other women and saying, you know, I'm worth something, and I'd rather pass on this engagement than, um, you know, participate in the continued kind of financial discrimination of women. So it's been a, a fun journey, a, sometimes a painful journey, but I think those are kind of the things that people who are listening that are still struggle around this area need to think about. You know, what, what do I think about being successful, and not only just successful but financially successful, and then saying no when somebody's not going to pay you what you're worth. Those things are challenging, but over time
1: your confidence builds and they get much easier. Mm oh totally it's It's so important to take that deeper look into our subconscious beliefs and programming from childhood and and just really as the foundation of of where our behavior is coming from and and how we uh really limit our our own success and financial wealth uh because of those early experiences I am um, curious to hear more about um about what is uh, breaking breaking money silence and and tell me a little bit more about what about your book? Sure, uh,
2: breaking money silence is my fifth book and it came out this last fall. in, uh, in September. And the concept for Breaking Money Silence really feels like it's been percolating in me for a long time. And so the premise is that, as you know and all the people who are listening to your podcast know, we live in a society that is, um, really has this very, very strong money taboo. And that money taboo has very strong implications for how we either do or don't take care of ourselves financially in our relationships. Examples, you know, we all hear that 50% of uh, first marriages end in divorce and the number one contributor is the inability to work through financial conflict. Or if you look at families, uh, parents who are trying to pass down wealth to the next generation, whether that's modest wealth or, um, you know, extreme affluence, what ends up happening is that over the course of three generations, 60% of families fail to do that. And the primary reason that they fail to pass on the wealth successfully is because the family doesn't have an ability um, to talk about money and to communicate about finance and to teach the next generation how to be financially literate and responsible. And then you look at, you know, the new, I don't want to say new, I guess it's been going on for a while, but um, this struggle that a lot of us have If we are in our midlife where all of a sudden we're looking at our aging parents and realizing, wow, they didn't talk to us about money, and now we're worried about their financial situation. And it's up to 54% of adults actually would rather have a sex talk with their teenager than an aging talk with their parents. And an aging talk often involves talking about health, but it also talks about wealth. So in this particular book, when I saw all all those figures and, you know, the work that I do with advisors, I kind of would hear these grumblings of, you know, we want to talk to our clients about money, but they don't want to talk about it. And so what I discovered is it isn't that they don't want to talk about it. It's that all of us don't want to talk about it. And so what the book does after laying out, you know, why this is a problem, it really spends most of the time talking about, so what do you do about it? How do you talk to your partner? How do you talk to your aging parent? How do you talk to your kids? Um, And I had so much to say that there's a bonus chapter called Is Your Gender Costing You a Fortune, which is really about um, the financial discrimination that I think women uh, face and the need for women to break that money silence even more. And so I'm really proud of the book. I'm excited. It really fits for who's listening on the line right now, but it also has a section in it at the end of each chapter uh, for advisors uh, that you're working with. So if uh, an advisor can share it with a client or a client can say, hey, I found this book. Let's, you know, let's delve in and, and take a look.
1: Wow, that is brilliant. It sounds like there's just a lot of practical steps and advice that, that people really can use. And it's so helpful to have some expert, someone to help you instead of fumbling through it blindly. And it ends up, as so, so many listeners probably know, in stressful arguments and you know, not not a productive conversation. So it sounds like you have a lot of real tips in there. Tips
2: and also stories. And some of it's my own story, but it's not just about my own life. It's also, you know, other men and women that I've talked to who have struggled in different ways. There's advisors who have struggled to talk to their clients. And so I think, you know, one of the things that I hear uh, from people who have read the book or seen me speak on the topic is, you know, it kind of normalizes the discomfort that, you know, all of us think, oh, we'll talk about it when we get comfortable. <laughs> well, we're not going to get comfortable until we talk about it. It's one of those things. So it's tolerating the discomfort and knowing that with practice, um, it, you're going to become more skilled like anything, right, Crystal? But also that Um, there are going to be difficult money conversations in our lives and they are going to be conflictual and that doesn't mean we shouldn't be having them it means that they may take time it may be more than one conversation we may need some help uh, with a coach or consultant or advisor to help us but that it's really important because there's such grave implications for people who don't talk about money in terms of you know marriages breaking up parents not getting along siblings not talking to each other you know wealth lost it's it's there's a big, big cost. And I think we're ready to talk about money. I, I feel like there is a movement um, to break a lot of taboos in our society these days, and, and this is certainly the next one.
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm feeling the same way. You know, we've had this Me Too movement and this uprising of women breaking their shame around sexual harassment and male domination, and and the shame that's kept the silence uh, there is so powerful and I really do feel like the the money is the next frontier. That if we can talk about, um, sometimes I call it a um, an abusive economy. It's it's extracting value. It's consolidating the wealth in in the hands of fewer and fewer people. And so many people are suffering in their own ways, their feelings of not enough. And, and yet the shame is keeping people from sharing their their tra- traumatic experiences. And I've seen it so many times, the relief when people share it in my workshops about their money stories and their beliefs, it's like they'll break down in tears and just feel like, oh my God, I'm not alone. Other people you know, have similar challenges. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about um, the power, you know, about the power of speaking up and, and breaking through that shame. Well, I
2: couldn't agree with you more. I think that the there's a many contributors to money silence. You know, one is the, that we live in a society full of money taboos. Um, but another big contributor is that that shame we feel like somehow we're doing money wrong, or we're doing money differently, or, um, you know, somehow the the person or the Joneses have it figured out across the street, which is not necessarily the case. And so the as you know, we're as sick as our secrets, right? And so because we're not talking about it, we make all these assumptions. And that shame, which I do think there's a big parallel to, to what's happening in the Me Too movement, but that, that money shame is what often you know keeps us from from breaking that silence. And one of the gifts of writing this book and having these conversations uh, and interviewing lots of people is to be able to talk with them and have these dialogues and, and listen and learn about how when you do dare to break the silence, when you do dare to speak up, that what often happens is not what you fear, which is going to be this big conflict. Nobody's going to like you. They're going to judge you. It ends up being that, oh, wow, very similar to your workshops, Crystal. Wow, I thought I was alone, and I'm not. You struggle. Maybe you struggle in a different way. Or maybe you have struggled, and now you're doing better, and you can teach me something. So I feel like it really, in, uh, once you break through that silence, I think it allows you to connect with somebody to learn more about their values, what's important to them, how they use money. And, and it's important not to judge if it's different than what you do. Um, but I've seen partners get closer. I've seen business partners get closer. I certainly know my girlfriends and I, who are all you know, speakers and consultants. Um, we really have each other's back when we're trying to figure these money things out. Uh, so it, 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 there's so much positive that comes from breaking the silence. It's just such a long standing tradition. Um, But, so, you know, the Me Too movement proved that, you know, you can speak up about really difficult things. And and I do think that money um, is the next piece. And and I do think somehow they're related because there's a lot of um, power and money and um, a male perspective about what finance should look like uh, when it comes to financial communication and financial advising. And I I do feel like that we're at a tipping point. Um, So it's exciting. It's exciting that you're doing workshops that are helping people break
1: through. Mm, Yes. So let's imagine more and more people are breaking through, are having better conversations about money. And, you know, um, I it, I can see it leading to greater civic engagement, like participatory budgeting, like actually being able to, on a systemic level in our communities, you know, be more transparent about where our money is going and and that. So imagine with me, what what do you see uh, happening here as more people uh, get more open about money?
2: Well, it's interesting that you mention uh, systemic issues and budgeting because I really do believe that we wouldn't be in a place of our government shutting down because they can't agree or have a money conversation or can't do it consistently over time. I really feel like that would stop because people would – know how to engage in conversations, work through, negotiate conflicts, and um, make better choices. So I think at a systemic level, I agree. I also think we'd have stronger families. The financial literacy crisis in this country that we don't even talk about um, would start to move towards everyone being financially literate, as opposed to it's something like 60% of Americans can't pass a basic financial literacy exam, no matter what your gender You know, often it's painted as women don't know about money. That's not true. It's men and women. Just women are, you know, willing to speak up and admit it, and men are socialized to keep quiet about it. So I think we'd have greater financial literacy. I think, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, we would teach uh, financial literacy and uh, budgeting and, and how to have these financial conversations in schools. Um, And I just really think overall our society would be stronger as a result. So what I think in the past used to protect us, you know, when king and queens were hiding their gold and didn't want to get robbed uh, or pillaged, uh, that was protecting their family. And so they had to be silent about the money. But now the silence actually is the thing that is harming us. It's no longer protecting us. And so I, I do think there's so much positive that can come. And and I speak from experience. I mean, I try to practice what I preach. I mean, you know, my book and my work is based on research of other people and conversations and interviews. But, you know, I try each day to, to have that money conversation, to dare to break money silence, even when it's not comfortable. And time and time again, I'm surprised by, um, even if it's a difficult conversation, how much better I feel and the, how much closer I feel to the other person or uh, more in control of the situation. So that's what I imagine is is a world with a stronger society, uh, better families, and um, dare I say, full gender equity. That would be exciting.
1: Oh, totally. I got so excited as you were talking because seeing the way that the power becomes more distributed and uh, decentralized and, and there's actually more intelligence in our living system when there is transparency about you know where our finances are having conversations about our values as communities really having the open book requirements for our elected officials and their tax returns is just the tip of the iceberg but really looking at some of these you know reports about you know um, money laundering and just how 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 much like you said it's really harming us this lack of transparency and and the courage it takes to to take an honest look at ourselves as humanity as society and and our weaknesses and and the harm we're causing each other and the planet through the this financial system right
2: oh absolutely and you know I'm sure uh, you have a grasp at that of that at at a greater level given your you know educational background but I can't tell you that I just really think that transparency would go a long way um, because if you you think about it, if we are more transparent about our financial lives, uh, it becomes harder to rip people off or to be taken advantage of uh, in that you know we're having an open dialogue and we're learning together and I also think you know dare i say i I believe in salary transparency i mean I think that's one of the hardest things is for people to um, ask and understand, you know, what is the going rate for that particular position or that particular job or that type of consulting and, you know, why it's been a secret for so long when, in fact, there's actually, I believe it's a federal regulation back in the maybe the 60s, um, it's, and it basically said that, you know, we can no longer keep each other's, keep salaries secret um, and discriminate that way, but we still do. So you know, it, it, there's a lot of work to be done, but I think there's a lot of um, positivity uh, around this topic, and certainly, you know, what you're contributing with this podcast and your work is is really great.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it is fascinating how it's it's happening on the individual level, our own. Authenticity with ourselves and our own beliefs And and then in the interpersonal level And our immediate relationships And, and how we discuss money And then on that systemic level of the conversations that that need to be had with elected officials and and within our communities about how money is spent and uh, how to really wisely steward our resources, which include not only the environment, but our human resources. There is so much suffering and poverty in America right now that's been kind of glossed over and hidden by, oh, this uh, mainstream stories of wealth and and the american dream and i just feel like um you know i'm 35 years old and so my generation and and younger it just feels pretty disenchanted with the american dream and then i look at the numbers as an economist of the wealth consolidation and um i think there is a lot we are ripe for some transformation here
2: I, I do. I think there's a flip side to it as well, and I I don't know if you've spoken to this or or explored this at all. But having worked with advisors who work with high net worth or ultra high net worth families, I think there's also um, I understand what you're saying completely. But there's also this misunderstanding of the quote unquote one percent that they're you know just like we make um, assumptions about people who are poor or people who live in poverty, we make assumptions about people who live with wealth. And often they're painted as evil and you know, materialistic and, and um, really out to, to be greedy. And what my experience has been, both meeting some of these people and also working with the advisors who work with them, is you know, more often than not, that's not the case. I mean, there are certainly exceptions to that rule. Um, but you know, just like people who may not have a lot of resources, people who do have a lot of resources are just people. And so many of them are doing great works and giving back, and, and you know, if you listen to what the media, you would not think that that's the case. So I really think it's a, a compassion uh, for each other's uh, situations and understanding, and then together um, figuring out how do we educate the next generation, whether it's lower class, middle class, or upper class, Around um, talking about money, managing money, and and making sure that we can be as transparent as possible about the fact that yeah, there's some systematic problems in our society, but nobody is necessarily the bad guy just based on the numbers at the you know the number of zeros at the end of their net worth. Um, I I just want to kind of throw that into the dialogue today because I I know that often gets left out of the mix,
1: and um, really affluent people feel bad about that. Yes. Thank you so much for saying that uh it's it's so true. I have interviewed some people who work in purpose driven investing and oh um, yeah, great, yeah, so there really is uh an incredible desire for more and more people um of of that level of wealth to align their money with their values and uh and a lot of them are millennials. I just pulled up uh this Huffington Post article that was um It says the young rich and fighting young rich and fighting the system that made them wealthy. And it talks about this, this nonprofit called resource generation, uh, which are uh, wealthy uh, millennials who are then, you know, giving back and, and using their money um, for social good and and a more equitable just economy. Um, So that is a very good point. Thank you. Hmm. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and, and take a quick break here for um, a quick commercial break. And then, uh, yeah, when we come back, I'd love to hear some, you know, specific advice or tips for people um, around having better money conversations and, and how to do that. So we'll be back in just a moment here.
3: Do you ever feel like something's missing? Like you're not reaching your full potential, like you have more to offer the world, but aren't exactly sure what you want to contribute or how to go about it. You're not alone, and we can help. Purpose Playbook is your one-stop shop for tactics, tools, and inspiration designed to help you live a more purposeful and purpose-filled life. Our life-changing Find Your Purpose course is now open for pre-enrollment. This course has helped countless people like yourself identify what truly lights them up and how to design their life around it. What are you waiting for? Secure your spot now at www.purposeplaybook.com and take your life, career, and relationships to the next level.
4: Are you ready to enjoy greater financial freedom? Perhaps you're like Emily, a creative entrepreneur who wants to increase her income to provide for her family. Using the free video training found at discoveryourtruewealth.com, she learned the secrets to accessing hidden resources and creating lasting wealth. Emily learned a persuasive negotiation technique to bring in more money with her top clients. She boosted her credit score and opened new financial doors while reducing expenses. And she took specific steps to strengthen her existing relationships and create a safety net for her business. With the Discover Your True Wealth training, thousands of women have improved their bank balances and secured their family's future. With this free video course, you'll transform beliefs, behaviors, and skills with money. Take charge of your financial situation with the training sound at discoveryourtruewealth.com. Welcome back. We are here with Kathleen
1: Burns Kingsbury, author of Breaking Money Silence, How to Shatter Money Taboos, Talk Openly About Finances, and Live a Richer Life. Oh, what a wonderful conversation. I just feel... Um, There is so much possibility in this particular uh, area of transforming our personal lives, our communities, and and our larger society here about how we have more open money conversations, how we really um, reach across the divides uh, of what we project to other people who just have it all together financially, of how we, um, you know, uh, really uncover the judgments that we have against ourselves, against wealthy people, against poor people, you know, and, and really find common ground by, um, by finding what is most valuable to us and how do we align our money with our values and, and how do we create intergenerational exchange that does create a legacy of, of true wealth and uh before we get into the the specific uh specifics about how to have a better money conversation i was feeling like i'd like to get um your perspective on how this creates belonging i feel like in so many people there's this longing for more connection more um sense of meaningful contribution and and that i'm i'm curious if you could see how having more open money conversations could lead to feeling a greater sense of belonging.
2: That's a fascinating question. I do a lot of interviews and no one's ever asked me that before, but I really like that question. My sense of it is, is when you dare to open yourself up and be a little vulnerable or ask some curious questions of somebody else and create a safe space for them to be vulnerable, and talk about their financial lives or habits or thoughts or beliefs, that what ends up happening is you ultimately feel closer to that other person. You feel more understanding. And in feeling closer to that other person, um, I think you feel a greater sense of belonging. Um, I'm going to speak to that in terms of how it's, happened a little bit in my life. Uh, it, it certainly has happened in my marriage. But I think the example that comes to mind for me is, you know, in working in KBK Wealth Connection, um, I am. Uh, it's an S-corp, but I work alone and I have a virtual team, uh, which is a great team. But, you know, there's not a lot of people that are at the same level as me, Um, where I can have an honest, open dialogue about negotiating contracts or negotiating fees or even just having a money conversation with a potential client and feeling really frustrated with how it went. Um, But I do have a group of um, girlfriends who all have somewhat similar professions. In other words, they're female entrepreneurs, so instead of drawing a salary – They are, you know, in a similar situation where you are, you know, making proposals, asking for money, negotiating um, for what you're worth on an ongoing basis. And um, when I have, I mean, it's probably been, I don't even know now, it's probably been over eight years that I have been more transparent with a group of girlfriends that I, you know, trust and I know that they will um, be respectful um, and help me work through things, and I would do the same for them, but as we 've started to talk about the frustrations of being a female entrepreneur, the financial discrimination that we sometimes face, um, the, you know the fact that women pay more for you know clothes at the retail shop, more for health care, you know, and that often. Um, We have to fight a little bit harder to prove that we are worthwhile, especially if we work in a male-dominated profession like the financial services industry. I found that through those conversations, I felt less alone, more connected. And even though maybe every money conversation that I have doesn't end up where it needs to be, I know that there's this group of women that are going along on the journey with me and that I know together we're going to eventually make a difference. Um, certainly this book is part of me wanting to make a bigger difference and have really had a very nice sense of belonging for somebody who, you know, primarily works alone. Um, so that's the, you know, the, the long-winded answer, I guess, Crystal, in terms of, you know, I've experienced that in my life, that that there's a connection you feel. and And I don't want to tie it all up in a little bow, like, you know, every conversation is really easy and just follow the five simple steps, you know, it, it, life is messier than that but it certainly does help you feel connected to the people around you
1: mm. yeah I feel like it really is this uh, this human desire to to connect and feel understood and you know we've we've got this false sense of connection through so much social media and the internet and yet people have almost forgotten like how to have face-to-face, Uh, conversations and uh, what it is to be vulnerable and and share authentically and I too have a a couple women's groups uh, one with entrepreneurs and it is so helpful to have that regular rhythm of getting together and being able to share you know personally and professionally about our challenges and not feel so alone in our suffering I just feel like that is causing so much uh, anxiety and stress and violence, even uh, when when people are feeling alone in, in their pain and suffering. And so, I think it's another reason to to find belonging uh, that it is important to talk about money. It's almost this unifying factor, right? It's like it's something we all have in common, and and when we can come together instead of remaining isolated and and separate about it, I think we're going to see a lot of change.
2: I also want to just put a plug in for the men out there too. I know, you know, women and women's groups and what we're talking about so helpful. I mean, I, I just wouldn't be in my business or in my life where I'd want to be without that sense of community. However, I also think that there are men in our lives, and you get to decide who these men are in your individual life, who you can have money conversations with that can be so helpful. There are times where, you know, my girlfriends, we all have female brains, right? (laughs) We've Mm -hmm. all been socialized as women. And so it can be very refreshing to either turn to my husband or turn to one of my friend's um, that is a male and say, you know, what's your take on this? And and have a, a different perspective. And, you know, gender is only one different perspective, um, but it can be really useful. So I, I want to encourage people to draw in all the people around you to give you some insight, to have these money conversations with. Because, you know, one of the things that I I work hard at in the financial services industry where I do most of my training is to really look at, you know, there's gender myths about women and money, but there's gender myths about men and money. And so any of these stereotypes or any of these assumptions that often, you know, start to take on a life of their own if you don't talk about them, uh, do a disservice to all of us. And so busting through all of those myths, you know, one of the ones I talk about a lot with men is that, and it's actually chapter four's title, is all men are financially literate and other gender myths, you know, Mm that I feel bad for the guys out there who maybe don't feel as comfortable opening up and talking with other men in the way in which we assume they do about money. And so I just want to bring them into the fold and say that, you know, this sense of belonging, I, I would love to have it be. Um, Something where it goes cross gender And it really is about um, The transparency you talk about And and really moving the needle forward Because just like eating and exercise You know that's something that we have to do In our lives We have to take care of our money We have to take care of our bodies We have to take care um, of our spirit and, And we all have to do that every day So why not
1: talk about it and share What's working and what's not Oh thank you Such a good point uh, yes to really honor the men and their perspective and I agree I so value um, some of the male colleagues and, and my own husband my dad and uh, and just really they are incredibly supportive and have great perspective and um, and and also the intergenerational exchange you know it's it's fun that we're um, of different generations here and and what else would you like to say about the power of having intergenerational money conversations?
4: Well,
2: what's been fun for me is I, you know, I don't have children. Um, my my child is a, a cat, <laughs> <laughs> but I do have strong relationships with my nephew and my niece. And um, it's been so fun to watch them grow up and for us to start, or for me, to initiate money conversations very early on when they were little, and now they're all mid-20s, you know, early 30s. They're buying their own houses. They're getting married. And I'm watching them not only continue the money dialogue with me and my husband, but also watching them then take that skill into their new relationships. And so it's really exciting, and I feel very proud. And I I do think I learn a lot from them, uh, certainly around, you know, technology and money and, and their perspective um, and their generational thoughts and beliefs. Um, and they learn something from me. And, and I do think that each and every one of us, you know, is made up of a variety of things, our generation, our gender, you know, our culture, our religion, you know, what our experiences have been and so to you know share that um in across generations and across families is really when it works it's it's a wonderful thing
1: mhm mhm yeah i agree so much potential there um and what I love about the millennial
2: generation, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I just, what I love is that, you know, while sometimes boomers, or I'm a very late Gen Xer, um, sometimes what they'll say is, you know, like, like millennials, they just don't have a work ethic. And I think, I think it's great that millennials will invest in vacation and take time off and live their values. You could be, um, you know, very, have a good work ethic and, and still have
1: more balance than the previous generations had. Oh, yeah. I know it's so hard when we generalize about anything. It's almost like, <laughs> um, yeah, kind of hard to have the nuances. And, and I, I think it's, it really is about building understanding and, and empathy and having more compassion for the struggles of, you know, millennials coming up with more college debt and less likelihood of a regular nine to five job. And, of the factors that that really um, change their expectations of success and and what's possible. And so I think any conversation that builds understanding and has compassion and empathy um, can be more productive. Um, Would you like to um, talk about specific advice for people, entrepreneurs, uh, people who are wanting to have some difficult money conversations? any particular advice?
2: Sure, absolutely. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I would encourage people to do is uh, take these tips, but also if, if you're interested at all, you know, take a look at the book. Um, take a look at my website at breakingmoneysilence.com. There's some free tip sheets that will kind of uh, recap this or expand on some of the things I'm about to say um, with our limited time left. So, you know, the first thing that I would encourage any, and I'm going to focus on uh, entrepreneurs' female entrepreneurs, but no, this could apply to anybody. So I'm going to offer three tips. The first is to examine your money talk mindset, to really think about what are my automatic thoughts and beliefs about talking about money, just to identify where do they come from? What type of money conversations am I most comfortable in? What are the least comfortable conversations? Does it vary according to the person I'm talking to? Is it easier to talk to a client than my husband or my partner or my children, you know, to really take some time, similar to I think the work that you do around uh, family money history and money mindsets that I do, but, it's, but expanding it specifically to these financial conversations. And once you've explored or at least started to explore what your automatic thoughts and beliefs are about talking about money, then I think it's using that data, using that information and saying which of these um, ideas or which of these attitudes help me and which get in the way. So if, you know, it's rude and unnecessary to talk about money, or uh, one of the ones that I find female entrepreneurs often have is, you know, the more successful I get, the less I should have to talk about money. Well, that's a myth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I find the more successful financially you get, the more you need to, and the more opportunities you have to engage in these negotiations. And so then dare to break that money silence. And, And I encourage people to start with somebody who is, Um, safer or trustworthy. So if you're a female entrepreneur, it may be that you have a client, like you've been meaning to raise your fees, and you have a client that you know is going to be a little bit easier to let them know that information than another client. Start with somebody that's going to lead to a success. If you feel like, oh, you know, I'm not ready as an entrepreneur to have that conversation with one of my clients, um, but maybe I'll role play it with an advisor I work with or a coach that I work with. You know, that's a way of daring to break money side. To, to practice and that's the third tip because practice 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 I don't think we ever get too perfect when it comes to money uh, nor should we be striving for it or a money conversation but I do think that practice like anything you develop a skill you build up a muscle and it becomes easier so you know a lot of times what ends up happening when you're a woman in business is you you have this worst case scenario in your head and when you examine your money talk mindset which is probably full of some of these worst case scenarios and then you practice or you dare to speak up what you discover is that often the other person's reaction isn't what you expected because that's more about what your automatic thoughts and beliefs are not necessarily theirs And I can remember very, very early on when I was doing this work around my own money talk mindset and my own money scripts, and I had to raise – well, I didn't have to, but I decided to raise my rates when I was a clinician, so working as a therapist. And there was one in particular client I had seen for a long time. She really struggled financially, so I had a very low fee. She paid the lowest fee out of all of my clients. And I thought, you know, I do, if I'm going to be in integrity, I do need to raise her rate along with everybody else's rate. You know, it just seemed to make sense, not only for her, but for me. And so I finally got the courage to have this conversation with her, and I raised her rate 5 $5. Um, which I thought was doable, but also was kind of a move in the right direction. And I was so fearful, Crystal. And when I go through my whole spiel about, you know, raising the rate and let's talk about it, she looks at me and she goes, it's about time. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and so I said, what do you mean? She goes, I, keep, I kept waiting for you to increase your rate because I didn't think I was paying you enough. So in breaking money silence, what I discovered was I was trying to protect her by, you know, and helping her financially, and she was feeling like I want to pay more because it's going to make me feel better, um, and you deserve it. So, you know, what you think is going to happen when you break money silence isn't always what does, and the more you have these experiences, the more you find that, you know, practicing looking at your money script and, and breaking through this money talk mindset and and doing something new will help you just have a healthier relationship with money. And ultimately, you know, because it was a clinical setting, it was therapeutically useful um for us to have that dialogue. Go ahead. The the only other thing I just want to let people know, and and I think you're going to ask me this anyway, so just if you do go to breakingmoneysilence.com, which is the website for the book, but also for uh, consumers, uh, I have a separate website for financial advisors, what you'll find is there's the podcast, um, and you can listen to it. We talk about uh, money myths every uh, episode, and we bust through it. But you'll also find that there are some free tip sheets. And one of the tip sheets I'd encourage people to check out um, is, the Kingsbury Rules of Fighting Fair Financially, which are just money talk guidelines from the book. And it's a list of seven tips that will help you engage in an effective money dialogue, whether it's with your partner, your parent, your client. Um, And they're tips that when you read through them, you'll go, yeah, I know I should be respectful. I know I you know, should, uh, list it actively. But when you have it in front of you while you're engaging in that talk, it's really helpful to have that visual cue until you, um, have internalized some of these, uh, some of these tips and some of these, uh, action steps. So, um, I just want to make sure that people know about that resource and there's no fee, you know, it's, it's something that I just want people to
1: have. Mm, That's so great. I love that. Thanks for that generosity. It is, uh, so good, yeah, to have something physically uh to to prepare and print and and have some preparation um, what let's see so i I love your podcast, the episodes I've listened to it's just, oh thank um, you, so honest and open, and you really like draw out people's you know um really busting through these myths um do do you want to tell me about any highlights or Um, specific myths that that people may be interested in
2: well one of the recent episodes um, that I had I had a a woman on who directed the film Dream Girl she's a co-director I believe and um, her her name's Erin and Erin is an artist and so what Erin talked about was as she was doing this passion project, and Dream Girl is about women entrepreneurs and, and you know, the struggle, and it's very inspiring. I, I encourage people to check it out. But what she was talking about is here's this passion project she's working on. She's very creative. You know, her, her background is basically in the arts, and she believes in creativity, and the myth that she brought to the call was you have to be starving to be an artist, and so i had never looked at that myth before um and it was fascinating to talk with her about how so many artists you know feel that they are betraying Um, the craft if they ask for money or negotiate for what they're worth. And on some level, I knew that. um, But she talked about the different strategies that she used in order to get past that, because she had to in order to make this movie successful. And the movie was so successful that they actually had a screening at the White House. And the two women who um, co-wrote and co-directed it were voted uh, Oprah, on Oprah Winfrey's, I think it's Top 100 Soul Sisters or something, I forget the actual title. Um, but by busting through her money myth. Uh, she was really able to have a big impact in the world and so that was one of the episodes that really stands out um but all the episodes are there on the website so if you're interested you can certainly go to breaking um subscribe to it and um you know i even welcome and certainly crystal would welcome you on on the call to uh the podcast to, to bust a money myth with us as well it's it's really a fun fun process
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I just love that approach. How cool to like take something on and and really get into it and uh, and just uh, be able to to find the truth, you know, to go about um, the underlying, yeah, essence of of what what is real and and beautiful and true and and you know, really cut past all these ideas of what success is or you know, what should be happening in the world. I feel like we're just in this time where um, so much is possible when we um, get more um, honest and authentic about, about what's most important um, to us. Wow. Well, in these last few minutes, uh, what else would you like to share with listeners?
2: I mean, I think, you know, if I had to give one kind of takeaway tip for people is, is the best, thing you can do when it comes to thinking about money talk or engaging in a financial dialogue is to show up with a healthy dose of curiosity. That I find that each time I show up to a a conversation or a situation or interaction that involves money, if I... Try very hard to not read somebody's mind, to not get defensive, but to be curious about what their experience is and to not focus on being right, but to focus on mutual understanding, that that tends to be, I think, the secret ingredient for really wonderful money conversation. So I encourage people to do that. Um, If you want to know more, definitely uh, buy a copy of the book, Breaking Money Silence. Uh, You can get it on my website, but you also probably, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, And, um, you know, there's a whole chapter about curiosity and the importance of it in a money conversation. And I do think it's the thing um, that has saved many of my conversations, both professionally and personally, by practicing that one tip.
1: Mm. Oh, I love it. It's uh it is so powerful that curiosity. Oh, I I feel so inspired just uh you know to to really get get uh it's okay to be uncomfortable. Just that is like where um the growth happens and and when we can stay engaged and and really um stick with it and and work through those emotional uh, emotions that come up with some of these difficult conversations uh just encouraging people to to really uh be be okay with the discomfort and and be open with it and and also you know using some some humor and and lightness and and just uh really opening to uh, like you said, just uh, sensing what the other person may feel, and, and developing our ability to to have greater compassion, and and know that everyone is is just doing the best they can, and and so many of us are, um, you know, are just reacting based on early childhood um, beliefs that were formed, and so uh, just. Really uh, so incredible to, to talk with you and, and hear what's possible when people open up and have these conversations. I really loved your, uh, all the stories you told and, and the ways in which so many people you've worked with are stepping into their greater power and leadership and, and ability to provide and create wealth in their lives. It's been great to
2: break money silence with you as well. I always love engaging in these conversations and hearing other perspectives. And, um, you know, my hope is it's been very useful for your listeners. But just dare to break money silence and you end up having a conversation like we just had, which is awesome.
1: Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Kathleen. I really encourage everyone um, to check out your website, breakingmoneysilence.com. And go ahead and, and uh, take a leap. Get courageous and curious and, and really uh, you know, um, explore some new terrain with someone you love and have a money conversation and, uh, and let us know how it goes. All right. Thank you so much, Kathleen.
0: Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to subscribe to the show and rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Be sure to visit www.moneymorphosis.com That's money-m-o-r-p-h-o-s-i-s dot com to join the growing community of empowered women who are dedicated to creating the true wealth they deserve.